4: 18 Plus.
1: Hello, and welcome to Castle of Horror, the show dedicated to horror movies and awesomeness. This week we take a special look at the haunted house movie Burnt Offerings from director Dan Curtis. This is our our summer rental uh special this is our haunted vrbo episode i'm very excited bear in mind if you haven't seen today's movie we're going to be talking about it from the perspective of horror fans who have seen it so warning spoilers ahead from Denver, colorado i'm your host jason henderson editor of the summer's castle of horror anthology volume one available now with me from austin is tony sabaccio tech director at rooster teeth lead singer and bassist to the band desert to mars and lead guitarist to the band rise from fire say hello tony Huddy. Huddy. Also in Austin, Jamie Barr is the executive director of Girls Rock Austin, lead singer and upright bassist of the all-female rockabilly band Danger Cakes. Welcome back, Jamie.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I just got back.
1: I I well I know that you've been you've been traveling around, but I mean welcome back to the show. Oh wait, you were on the show last week because you covered for yes, me. No you covered for me in in dallas and i'm so thankful that that, that you were there and and that well drew actually was there. so yeah we so, had
0: a great
1: time yeah and Save I, the girl was, it
0: was very dramatic
4: what well, she's referring to you didn't actually get to hear but a, a oh. young lady who i hope if she hears this is doing okay fell and and um I guess sprained her ankle severely, or possibly even broke her leg. But Jamie, in full Lucy Chaplin cosplay, sprang to her her aid.
0: So it was a very <laughs> I dramatic her, like,
4: way. Like took
0: off my lab coat to prop up under her foot and get an ice pack to you know oh, make wow. sure she wasn't. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> at, wow. at first administered first aid. But, uh, wow that's some know, amazing that's backstory
1: well you that i know clearly and 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 i love that you were dressed uh as lucy chaplin that's that's fabulous
0: yeah so, wig and all that's,
1: that's. Well, and an appropriate lab coat. yes
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> that's wonderful um okay well w- welcome back jimmy that's fabulous <laughs> Uh, you're the second person in Austin, and third, also in Austin, writer of the long-running underground comic series *Halloween Man* and winner of the 2018 Best of Austin Award from the Austin Chronicle. Mr. Drew Edwards, hello.
4: We're we're ganging up on you, Austinites, tonight,
1: I Jason.
2: I know. Colorado's
1: going down. I mean, I was in Austin for like 11 years, and I I really. Really miss it. And you and I kinda traded places because you got to Austin like like within months of my leaving Austin. <laughs> so that was really strange. Um yes. Anyway, I miss trying to say I'm bizarro, Jason. You know are yeah, that's yes, that's wonderful. You can develop your own grammar for that. Uh okay. Burn Offerings, you know something, I've been kind of wanting to talk about this movie for several years. Here's the basic deal about Burn Offerings. Burn Offerings is a 1976 American horror film co-written and directed by Dan Curtis and starring Karen Black, Oliver Reed, Betty Davis, Lee H. -H Montgomery with Eileen Heckert, who's this wonderful character actress, Burgess Meredith, and Anthony James, the smiling hearse driver. The plot follows a family who begin to interpersonally dissolve under supernatural forces in a large estate they've rented for the summer, while the film received mixed reviews from critics that won a bunch of awards in 1977. Originally set on Long Island, the movie moves the action to California. It was the first movie to be filmed at Dunsmore House in Oakland. And this is the house that we saw in Phantasm. So, uh, I'd like to do opening thoughts like this. We can have our guest go first. Let's go with Jamie, Tony, Drew, and then I'll go Jamie, are you ready to hit us with some opening thoughts about burnt offerings?
0: Sure. I like the movie. I uh I have to say, um, the cast was uh, great. I I was like so amazed to have like you know Betty Davis still like kicking and like giving her all and being such a cool badass lady. Um, and she was my favorite out of all the characters. Even even though she was the first one off. Um yeah. But I mean, the movie did have some questions that it, that it left me with. Um, one being like, is this actually a like a ghost or is it like the house itself that is uh preying on these people and their and their blood and their emotions and all the the damage that they're it's doing. So um but I I did like the movie for the most part. It does have a, like that kind of uh you know TV show drama or like you know something you'd watch on like the weekend on ABC or something like that back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I do think the I said I do like the movie and I, I found it to be kind of uh, quirky and funny, yet also like terribly sad because everyone's doomed.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tony, um, I, I don't know if we've ever discussed this movie ever. So I, I'm dying to hear what, what you thought of this.
3: Yeah, I, I like the movie. It does have a very TV movie feel in a lot of ways. Also, a lot of the '70s soft focus stuff that they do, uh, especially in the house. And what a cast, though! Yeah, <laughs> like, Dub Taylor doing Dub Taylor. Yes, stuff. Um, just so many, all the people who have cameos who are in there briefly. And uh, yeah, it was great. Although <laughs> it does say, you know, don't go to a haunted mansion. I guess. Uh, if you <laughs> if you're hoping to re- revive your marriage, maybe haunted mansion not the place to revive your marriage. Yeah, you know
0: it kind of reminds me of Money Pit. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. remember
0: the money the tom hanks movie Mm -hmm. they're like you know everything's kind of dilapidated it's falling down and not quite falling down but it's not looking so good um the house needs a little bit of a makeover and they're like wow this is what a steal (laughs) 900 bucks for the whole summer you know three hundred dollars for three months or per month for three months that's not so bad um, but
3: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I, I really, it's really cool. Um, there's a lot of fantastic imagery. I know the the chauffeur, um, character. I've seen people ape that in a few videos. Really? Yeah. I can't. You know, I watch a lot of stuff, and you've watched a lot of videos when you're growing up. And then there's also Night Flight is now back on, and I've watched tons of old videos. so I'm not sure, but I've seen there was somebody who's aped that. Um, Look and it's terrifying. <laughs> I mean my it's thought would be the imagery. first thought I'd
1: have would be Greg Kinn with uh, uh Jeopardy, my, my Love's in Jeopardy. Uh he had yeah, a lot of like twisted smiling people that would like,
3: right. like that. It's cool though. Um I you know it's interesting when it starts, you know, as it progresses and the you know, like Jamie said, the house starts to take on its own thing. Yeah. Um yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff. Uh you know, Oliver Reed just playing Oliver Reed doing you freaking out. (laughs) It's always good.
0: Crazy drunk Uh, dad. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot. There's a lot of great stuff. Again, it, it did feel a little bit, you know, ABC weekend movie, but there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of great, great stuff in, in there. So
1: yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm glad we're covering it. I want to, I want to address uh, the the whole question of the look and the directing style uh, once we get into the main conversation. I think it's, I think it's really important. Uh, but I'll, I'll leave it for now. Uh, uh, Drew, opening thoughts. Well, uh, this is a movie I've heard quite a bit about. Over the years, it's it's
4: it seems to have a bit of a cult following. That this is actually my first time having seen it, um, and maybe because it had been built up so much in my mind, I I, I enjoyed it, but I simultaneously I did feel a little underwhelmed mm-hmm. by it in some ways. Um, and I like Dan Curtis, so when I saw that he was the director, um, that actually made me get pretty excited, but. Uh, You know, I feel like having now had a couple of days to think about it, my primary issues with it, and this could just be me bringing my own thoughts to it. Is I don't have a lot of sympathy for anybody that is not Betty Davis in the city. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, nobody. No, my son. The son, like,
4: the the son
1: old, probably.
4: The son, the, the son, the kid. Yeah, okay. The kid. Okay. I, I will, out of the adult, I don't have much sympathy for okay. the other adults. Okay. Because once the weird stuff starts happening no one investigates any further and i like like because this is essentially we can get into what the supernatural force is but because this is essentially a haunted house movie usually there is a point where somebody delves into the history of the house and i kept expecting oliver reed or karen black to go aha this is why all this is going on and this is what we probably should do um and no one ever did that. The only the only thing props to Oliver Reed, he does try to leave. Yeah. So I will give give him that's something that we're all anytime we watch one of these haunted house movies, we're we're constantly going, Why don't they just leave? Well Oliver Oliver Reed does try to leave. So some props to that. But um I you know, when I when reflecting on this movie, I find myself annoyed with a lot of the, the choices that some of the characters made. That yeah. being said, that being said, I did enjoy the movie and how could you not enjoy this cast? I mean, yeah. it, you know, like I would watch, um, the brother sister duo, just wandering around the mansion being weird. I would watch like a whole like <laughs> sitcom of of that. They, they were great. Um, so like, there's a lot to like here. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to, I, I guess I'm the one that was like the most looted. Ludic- I will also say I kept hearing about how, how, scary this movie was. I did not find this movie scary at all. However, I do find aspects about it disturbing,
0: not creepy.
4: Definitely (laughs) the parent. Um, And I'm sure we will get more into that. I know Jamie had all kinds of thoughts on that when we were actually watching it. Um, but l- less scared, more disturbed, and I will cut my thoughts off on it at that point
1: so there's lots of stuff that I want to talk that's sort of contextual about the movie, but I think for the sake of the of the listener, it'd be better if we got into into some of the topics that deal directly with the plot so so uh and then we 'll get into dan Curtis and and stuff like that. But to begin with, uh, what happens here is you have this, um, we meet the Rolfs. The Rolfs are a three-member household. It's uh, you know, teacher, Ben, his, his wife, Marion, and his 12-year-old son, Davey. This movie, I will tell you, follows the book almost exactly with very few uh, changes, very, very few. There's a little less sex in the movie than in the book, and the ending is different, although not that different. Um, but so so and so we know from the book the guy's a school teacher movie doesn't bother to tell us if it does i missed it what exactly he does for a living but whatever he does for a living they're taking the summer off and they're renting a house for the summer and they rent a house that immediately he can see from his i am a you know just a perfectly regular middle class educated guy and this house is out of my range. I mean, it is a an enormous mansion. And he's like, "Oh well, surely there there's like a servants' quarters or something that they're renting out, like a guest house." And uh, but no, they're going to get a house that normally would be way, way outside their price range. And so they're going to get away for that. And the, the 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 thing that I wanted to bring to everybody's attention is that this book came out in 1973. It was one of the books that Stephen King said that he super enjoyed and dance macabre and in 1977 stephen king uh uh t- i i have to say he was partially inspired by this book when he turned around and did the shining which is very very much a similar plot that uh you know they're they're, they're they don't have all the money in the world they got education and they're getting into a house that into a situation that is way, way, way better than anything that they could afford on their own. Uh, And the problem, of course, is that when you do that, oh, and also in 1977 is the Amityville Horror, which is also the same thing. So one of the reasons why I think they don't want to leave uh first of all marion starts getting really strange and we'll talk about that but it's uh they're in over their heads i mean if they left you know they've lost they've lost where they're gonna go i guess they'll go back to their apartment but um you know this gives us an opportunity to talk about this family marion doesn't like where they live Uh,
0: like i this is something i always feel like they uh, horror movies do is yeah. you get someone who buys a house or in this case at least it's a rental. So they yeah. can, you know, break the lease. Actually there's no real contract was signed, but right. uh, you know, why is that like they they rent houses, they buy houses without ever seeing them. Have you ever done that? <laughs> Probably not. The only way I can think of how this would work, it's the modern day Airbnb. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah the, I mean, well they do go out for the interview, right? That they the, the one yeah. interesting thing about this movie is they go first like about a month early just to walk around and take a look at it.
3: Is and, it and... even
0: a month? I thought it was like the next day they come back. It's not not
1: clear.
3: Yeah, it seemed like anywhere from a day to a week. It wasn't very long. Um, I mean, I was on crunch and I didn't see our house for the walkthrough. I just trusted that Rain knew the house that we needed. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I I didn't. She would
0: recognize the house is haunted or not.
3: (laughs) Yeah, well, all the things. Look, I'm pretty sure she's pragmatic, and we've been together a long time, so she knows I need somewhere to shove all my
1: stupid crap.
3: Also,
0: like, what's up with the like the house? Not if it's you know everybody can come and go as they please. I mean, they have to get food and they have to you know get supplies throughout the summer. So the house lets them leave. But then yeah. when they're like, finally at the end, like, we're going to leave. They're like, no.
1: That's when
3: the
0: well, house
1: starts I, to get mad. <laughs> but,
0: but,
3: well, the
1: house knows when you're going to, you know.
3: And nobody's smart enough to really, go, nope, really got to you know. get
1: groceries.
2: Somebody's going to say to
1: the house, don't worry, house. I'm just running for cigarettes. I'll be back in 15. Exactly. The, <laughs> the house goes, do, 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 do. I think Oliver Reed's not coming back, that bastard. But I. He it's cigarettes. <laughs> But at the beginning, um, uh, and I I want to talk about them and the family too, but at the beginning, you know, they they go to visit, and they're like, okay, pluses and minuses. This is an enormous house, and it is beautiful and clearly gorgeous, minus it is shabby as shit nobody's been taking care of it these you these know two... what
4: it's not that shabby yeah That's something jamie and I both taking... remarked on yeah it's that that dressed care of it too. it's dressed yeah. to be
1: shit to be a little shabby you know it's, it's, it's got chic. weeds all over
4: let's let's be all honest right. here all right
1: well said yeah well said the pool <laughs> is algae you know um the 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 greenhouse has no living plants in it uh and Oh, and so they're like, okay, that's the negative that we're going to be expected. Uh, for some reason, they assume this is just the way they roll that we take on this house. We're going to be doing labor all summer. We're going to be fixing up the house. It the, the dialogue never really quite like goes so far as to make that clear. But that is certainly what's on Karen Black's mind is we're going to rent this house and I'm going to fix it up, which is.
0: Yeah, I wondered you know. if she was like a realtor or something in the beginning, like the way she was talking about the house and she was like so interested you know, yeah, she's like, you know, and I know we, you know, maybe because we just watched uh, the Ring versus the Grudge and Drew and I actually just watched the Grudge the other day. Um like this whole thing with the idea of like houses pulling people into them like a certain Space, like being like having this energy that just can like attract a certain person or like sink their hooks into them oh and, like, yeah pull them in you know it's just like how did karen even or how did i say karen her karen black character uh, even find this house to begin with
1: well in the book it's you an know? ad she sees an ad and it says uh reasonable price for the right people to which and ben responds
0: i'm is sorry locally
2: are yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just out it's
1: it's now? like it's like upstate New York. It, 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 so so they're just advertising in, in the paper in New York. And Ben reads the right people, he takes that to be a racist statement. He, he's like, Ah, no, I get it. They're looking for middle class white folks and, and, and that's us to rent the house. Um he calls them <laughs> racist. He calls them racist wow. bastards, basically.
0: He's like racist. Uh, I'm gonna use my privilege. (laughs) Is is he is he uh, is he English in the book?
1: No, uh, he just is English in the movie. (laughs) And I've heard people say about Oliver Reed's accent that that it changes. From scene to scene, I did not perceive that at all. He seemed fine. He seemed like a fairly regular English dude, you know, through the whole movie. I mean, to
4: me. It's not like English people don't migrate to the United States all the time. I, sure. I don't really felt like that needed a whole lot of explanation. You know, the only thing that made me think about it is Betty Davis being his aunt.
1: Yes. Uh, right. And Betty Davis is clearly American, but, he's English. but his character, it's like Schwarzenegger. The guy has an Austrian accent. We're just going to roll with it. Somebody will explain. And I've, I watched a Von Damme movie where they said that he was from Louisiana, and that was why his accent was so strange. Oh,
2: oh hard, hard target.
1: Hard target, yes. <laughs> so, I bet that I, was
3: effective.
1: <laughs> uh, but the other downside, though, So, so yes, hold that thought about the house getting the hooks into it. While they're still checking it out, there's one more thing. Uh Ben goes, uh, okay, I'm waiting for the catch. And they go, Oh, there's no catch. Well, there is there is the one thing. Um, our our mom, our mom, we're two old people. This is Burgess Meredith at about 80. Um, our mom is uh uh upstairs, but you she's 85, but could she pass for 60? You'll never see her just leave a tray for her three times a day. So immediately they should be going, now hang on, this is like in the house of the devil, right? Hang on, you advertised one thing, but actually this is so you guys can leave for the summer and you've got somebody to to take care of your mom. Uh, and Ben is like, no, I'm out. That's, but that's the point
3: it's where-
0: $300, like babysitters make more than this. <laughs>
1: right.
3: <laughs> I. Uh, and yeah, then... and by the way, you're going to pay to take care of our mom. Yeah, yes. that's
0: really <laughs>
3: That's cute. the one that's like, wait, 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 we're paying?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that,
3: and that's freaking weird, man. Like, Yeah, totally also, weird. Also, the fact they don't call a medical professional the, the instant they get there and the tenants have just left. Hey, yes. we left mom. I guess if you get around to it, throw her some food. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. and the fact that <laughs> well, like they, they're super how long does karen black's character like how long does she i guess it's kind of like not specific but you're like so she yeah never tell the story from karen's perspective her. yeah like... she never sees this woman but she's like constantly eating food for her i couldn't tell if the food looked like it had been eaten or not
2: i couldn't yeah. or if Sometime. She... And I yeah.
0: And I was like, "Oh, is she eating the food? Like, is she sitting down and just like listening to the music box and like munching?" Like, well, you know, I, I mean,
3: th- the the big implication is is that once she starts the house and the the old lady, who's some kind of revenant slash yeah. walk in or whatever you call a soul that's going to pass from some thing this is cyclical by the end you know by the time yeah. we get to it, evidently this is cyclical and this is what they do they bring they bring the house they bring her back to life and by that token her the house comes back as well yeah
2: this well this is just I'll, something I'll they do
3: but but anyway like it, it, the idea is i think is that she's held in thrall yeah. so once she starts opening the music box and feeding you know that that starts the spiral of it the old lady slash the house getting her hooks into yeah into Marian. But I mean, but even before that, you know, it causes... Crazy town stuff with Oliver Reed. <laughs> well, well,
1: but just well, to before,
3: say I'm before we get just... too far
4: away from this, though, I want to yeah. talk about the brother and
3: sister a little
4: second. Yes, first of all, the, you know, I would be alarmed by these people because, firstly, they have like a really weird relationship. Like they, they only call each other brother and sister. Like yeah. the 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 brother is in a wheelchair. <laughs> um, it's it kind of seems a little incestuous. Yeah, like, and then they're like also both obsessed with their mom like would anybody rationally go along with this setup you know like like as much as i enjoyed watching the brother and the, the brother and sister like they are super creepy
1: uh, let me tell you something oh, yeah. i get the impression that's the the only reason that remember read all the gender roles in this movie are swapped from what we we saw in other films like this is a swap of the way it works in *The Shining*, and it's a swap of the way it works in *Amadeville Horror*. In this one, uh, she calls the shots. Oliver Reed, no matter what idea he has, she can talk her out of it, uh, talk him out of it. And and so, and the reason that she goes along, I believe, is class. These guys are riches as, as heck, and so she's like, you know, I don't know how the rich work. Maybe they're just. You know, they're they're la di-da, they're crazy. Um, I think she wants to be a part of their world. She lusts after the silver and the wood and the greenhouse and all this stuff. You can see her just wanting to like lick the house the moment she gets into it. And she's she's very good at just being like, No, you're not taking me out of this place. You know, just because just because rich people are crazy, I'm I'm not leaving here the moment I, I get a look at it. Old lady, fine, no problem. I'll do that, and it's and that's where she starts, <laughs> and she only gets more, as Tony said, enthral as she goes along. Like she's literally like polishing the entire house, and apparently kind of cleaning it with a sort of aura of possession too, as as she goes. Um, but uh, yeah, Tony mentioned. Uh, But before we start to really, well, at at about the same time that we know that things are getting really wrong with, with uh, Karen Black, Oliver Reed's character has a very, very, very super scary scene that is a direct is directly in the book, which is He's playing with his son in the pool with uh, their elderly aunt played by uh, Betty Davis hanging out by the pool. He's playing and he finds an old pair of glasses and uh, uh, just kind of looks at them for a moment because they're broken in the center like somebody was stabbed through the eye or whatever. But it's just this thing that he finds. And then after that moment, he just gets out of control. He starts. He he starts trying to. He starts playing so hard with his son in the pool that he's going to drown him. You know, throwing him up in the air and and doing all this stuff. And it's a really unnerving
0: holding scene. Under the water. Oh yeah. yeah. That, that scene, I thought. Whenever, like, I know Drew says it wasn't uh, scary. Like, you know, it was disturbing. I think that one that scene right there is like the worst in the whole movie for me like it I is. found that like incredibly triggering and just I did not like seeing that at all
1: I'm glad you said that it is. that way because it really is I mean in the same way well, that think, the stroke scene also seems like something that could really happen and makes you really unhappy to be
2: watching yeah, it
0: when, when we were uh, watching the movie I was thinking about how, how much of it is almost kind of like a take on abuse like household abuse even everything from like the elderly uh, to spousal abuse to um you know abuse of the mentally ill to child abuse I mean, it's all in there yeah and it's just even even like sexual abuse i mean there's a whole scene where you're like is he going to rape her is this gonna happen like what is going on here and it's just so i don't know it's weird because it's part of me wonders because they're not in the house at that point when that happens outside and it's near the pool where everything had happened but yeah he doesn't rape her
1: at that moment because he can listen to her you know he's he's not lost his sanity at that point uh and there's and the scene in the pool he's directly under control of something that's not him you know he's he's way out of control but he's out of control the way you might be if you were drunk or if you were just drunk on rage or just it's,
4: it's interesting contextually because oliver reed was known to be a big drinker too. Oh God! So, yeah, like yeah, like the way and like Jamie, like I found just all of that business. Not, again, not scary, not eerie, not creepy—the way we think a horror movie being just disturbing because it's yeah. like for a brief moment you're watching a movie about child abuse. Yeah, it's deeply right. uncomfortable.
1: It, it is
3: i mean well, I, even I have to say starts with oh sorry Go ahead, tony it even no, starts with um you know the the Merchant of meredith watching as the kid falls off a thing and is oh look he's hurt haha <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. like that yeah. kind of callousness that no nobody else sees because they don't understand that he that's what he he saw yeah and it's more than happy to see a kid in peril yes um yeah whatever that's I, where you he, get the idea oh wow these these people are super twisted, just from the get go. Yeah. I also wondered
0: but... if the kid was actually the one who did that stunt, or if they had like if they had like a stunt double, because like huh. he was so physically like rough on that child. Like it really. I mean. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I
1: don't know the answer to that, and I was worried about that myself. I was worried about the the, the actor. Um, actors are resilient, I mean, you know, so who knows?
0: Still a kid. You know, yeah. he's
1: like yeah. a twelve-year-old boy. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, a lot of times with movies like this, there's, you know, hopefully a psych, uh, a psychologist, a psychiatrist on set. But a lot of times they'll like prep the kid ahead of time and go, all right, this whole universe right now is play acting. You know, and and everybody is going to be cool with that. But man, I don't know. I don't know the first. I'm not an expert on that. That that seems very scary to me. Yeah. Uh, but I've never. Yeah. I, you know i, I uh it's well, very scary because he's so powerful and he could easily uh oliver reed could easily hurt this kid and and it, it you you feel unsafe watching it
0: well oliver reed also seems to be kind of uh like a method actor I and mean, like a lot of the times <laughs> when he's like enraged I and mean, he looks like he's about to have like an aneurysm he's yeah. like you know his Faces be red and you know, where I you can kind of applaud it. Sometimes you're like, All right, dude. <laughs> like
2: yeah.
0: like I know like out a little bit like i don't know not that i'm i'm not anti the acting method but with it's specifically the kid like that yeah
1: well and (laughs) think how how good you're right exactly that it's it's comment it is this is to the movie's credit but it is commenting on child abuse full stop and so later on when he feels bad because uh and then he then there's the awkward moment with the kid just so painful and damaged and weird that whole thing that that Mm -hmm. that you know um this is where i think this kind of a, a story is at its best really you know i i like haunted house stories i i, I love the ones where it's just a, a bunch of psychic people have to go in a big haunted place and unlock a mystery those are cool but i have a real soft spot for these ones that are about how houses just sort of twist us to reveal what's wrong with us i mean I, you know those are those are some of my favorites Um,
0: I agree. I think that's what makes a lot of these movies very interesting. And I think with I I think that whole scene with his son coming in and, you know, the mother acting like, oh, it's nothing. It's no big deal. Oh, it was just playing like, you know, she was making Oliver feel like he was just making too much of it like you're being too sensitive like yeah that's how boys play like boys will be boys like wow here's some extra thick toxic masculinity that we're going to impose on you like yeah I feel like well is there's some other t- toxicity so many things <laughs>
1: Oh, I I interrupted you. I'm so sorry. I I apologize. Um, What I was what I was thinking about that was, though, think of how she's implicated in that abuse. Because the thing is, if she were to say, you're right, that was really crazy. I think we should go home now that she loses the house. And that's, and that's, that's a problem that a lot of people find themselves in where, where, uh, you know, if they, if they name something, if they name it and shame it, they could irrevocably alter their life situation. And, you know, it's a braver person than I to, you know, I've never been in that situation, but, you know, I don't know if I'd be able to overcome that myself um very scary so yeah so that happens and then they they kind of they kind of get over that uh but then there, there's uh the, the next weird oh and during that whole scene just so we know uh about the slow weirdness with uh with karen black is that she's upstairs and she doesn't hear any of the screaming because she is just you know swooning to the music box and sort of getting plugged in to uh, the house, she she starts wearing these like like she does her hair up and and she starts to look more like an elegant lady. I think that in it part of it is possession, part of it is this weird material thing with her character where she wants to be the owner of this house, and so she starts dressing like she deserves it. Um, and and but those two things are so intermingled that it's really impossible to tease them apart because she's both well, possessed by Well even
4: the, the way house. the even the way the siblings talk about like uh how it's 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 a good the house will bloom for the right tenant yeah and i think this is what they're talking about because obviously what they've been doing for quite some time is that they will find a a person who will become enthralled with the house and um they they recreate their their mother through this way but the question i have myself about this and maybe i'm thinking too hard about this this
1: this might be a good time to talk about what the heck is going on like if you were writing the marvel universe guide to this house what exactly is going on with this well, house I, I think tony my, said some of it
4: my question is you're this 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 old woman and you get the chance to possess karen black <laughs> <laughs> why would you want to turn her into an old lady? Like yeah. even an I mean, old lady she... who appara- apparently was was young looking. Like why would you? Why would you do that? I don't know. You if see, you get I destroyed. thought of it
0: as this woman. I thought of it as uh, Burgess Meredith and the I can't think of other woman. <laughs> His sister were both. Heckert. What's her name?
1: Uh, it's uh, I, I got Eileen Heckert. Sorry.
0: Oh, I, I said like but it's, um yeah. but the. Um, I think that they were actually like two people just like um, the just like Karen Black and Oliver uh, Reed like characters. Like, I think that they were people who were probably just looking for a nice house or they had gone there with their parents in the first place. And Mm. maybe their parents were the ones who actually got killed by the house. Because the house is some, it's been around for generations and generations and generations. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're the ones taking those pictures. You just know that someone is taking this picture. From somewhere. So
3: I get a totally different read on it. Yeah. My read is that this is cyclical for the old lady. She's like a revenant. She's she has taken all these pictures that you know, thousands of pictures over a lifetime, and that lifetime is hundreds of years. Yeah. And that as she um has existed, she's probably had a lot of children. And this yeah. is just the last of this is the last of this line who, you know, you If you have such a twisted mom, you're going to be twisted yourself, probably. Yeah. And so, but the house and her. In this supernatural arrangement are kind of tied together so as long as she keeps rejuvenating the house will rejuvenate the kids are there they're they're growing old they're eventually going to die but she may have more kids or you know more people stay there um and so that part is cyclical and they're just twisted enough that they go along for the ride and they're really happy like hey we get to lead our weirdo to them normal lives as long as mother keeps rejuvenating yeah and and that also passes down this strange bloodline slash whatever you want to call it um you know supernatural goings-on um and they're all it's all intermingled but i got the impression that she's had multiple and she's killed multiple husbands as well
2: yes (laughs) because
3: if you look at if you look at all the pictures there's you know some younger people Lots of guys, um, and different pictures of her in various incarnations as well, yeah. So I mean, I guess that,
4: that also even makes sense with the name of the film because burnt offerings kind of sounds very sacrificial,
1: yeah,
3: right, yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: You know, I had that never not that it's thought ever about
3: it, not
4: that it's ever made very clear because they don't ever, <laughs> yeah, of course, actually, other than the scene where the hangles falling off and like the new new nice shingles are under it. Yeah. Um they they never really make it super clear what exactly we know the house is renewing itself. We don't really know why. Mm-hmm. Um and they don't really you know maybe jason do they go more into that in the book where they explain exactly what's
1: going on or is it still vague i i have no memory of that and i think it remained vague to be perfectly honest with you Uh, i
4: i can imagine a remake of this where they're having like lots of scenes of like cgi uh broken glass fixing itself and stuff like that which probably would actually be worse but (laughs) um You know, like there's still part of me that you know the 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 part of me would have liked to have known a little bit about what's going on, a little bit more about
3: what's going on.
2: Oh, here. Yeah. well
3: you nailed well, it. At Drew.
0: least so oh, many questions. Yeah. You know, there's so much that like the rest of the movie, and like when it ends, it really ends. Because yeah. <laughs> there's no one really left. I mean, I guess well, you could say Karen black is left kind of you're like well does that mean she's gonna just sit in the house like in that one room forever and ever eating the meals of the net from the next tenants who ever move in there or is she dead too
1: i think she's gonna burn out I think that she's gonna be there eating the meals and doing whatever, and I guess I don't know slowly plotting against humanity or whatever it is that a revenant does, and then uh she will just burn out from the inside and be essentially a ghost by the time the next person comes along uh i I don't know no, I mean, and, and
3: they imply uh, that this goes on for forever, yeah as long as the as long as she keeps being fed a diet of people who can make the house bloom, it will go on
1: yeah forever yeah it's wild i i so, uh, and that's
3: that's really and i think that what we're seeing also is i i don't think that once she once she's renewed i don't get the impression that it she has to have somebody deliver the meals maybe that's just her thing i think she's still up there because once you live that long it's kind of like when you see some vampire movies and they just kind of hang out in the vampire mansion because what else do you do? Because everything else is boring. Although that seems boring too, so I don't know what they're usually trying to say. But you get that impression where, yeah, this is what I do. I'm kind of tied to the house. I'm just going to catalog my photographs. <laughs> <laughs> In the way that you know, you may have an older person who, who hangs out and puts together puzzles because yes. you know, that's what you do. Like that that soothes me. Um, she doesn't have any real um need to go outside of the house or yeah. go into public anymore because one guesses she's done that over the
1: course of hundreds of years. It is weird to wonder like what does a powerful revenant actually want to do with his or her time uh and uh, you know and,
0: and apparently not much <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah I, I mean just who knows maybe she paints. Will... well she she paints yeah. evidently that's true she paints yeah. all the paintings from that from basically from that room. it'd be cool if she's right. like also like investing in real estate and like writing suspense novels or whatever it is You've Well, <laughs> I'm just gonna have a great
3: time once the internet
1: is invented <laughs> just
3: online poker revenant chat groups. <laughs>
2: old lady
1: <laughs> possession forums i'm glad she was um, she's not going to be a shut-in <laughs> demon any longer um
3: yeah there's all kinds of ways to reach out <laughs> Man, yeah, you, can get, you can DVR all of your stories that you were missing all these years
1: this crazy demon is gonna love <laughs> yeah hgtv um <laughs> but <laughs> uh let's you know it, it um that that's that, a lot of that stuff is why I think this is a very, very effective novel, is all the stuff you were just talking about, about Revenants is also true about people who might become a shut-in, right? And I, I just love this sort of constant feeding on itself that the story does. It's like, hey, this is like being a very old person who becomes bitter and becomes a vampire on the people around you. You know, this is... This is what it is to have your situation start to sort of cause rifts in your relationships. This is what it is when you feel like your wife is moving away from you and you can't seem to figure out how to communicate with her. Um, You know, this is what it is when you trade off day to day, which of us is going to be more of a jerk. All of that stuff is wrapped in this, in this supernatural story. Uh, Betty Davis, who is their, uh, you know, elderly aunt, she because uh, the, the house is leeching off of all of them, right? That's why the moment, I, I think the moment the flowers start to bloom after they visit and the kid hurts his knee, I think the house makes mean bad things happen because it just gets stronger with every every bad thing that happens. And Betty Davis starts out looking like a spry. She calls herself a lecherous old lady or something like that. And by the time she has, I
0: think I'm going to grow into being.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, She's so wonderful. Right. I mean, she's fabulous. But when when she, she has her stroke, she, by that time, she is a confused, she, she falls fast. Like she, she goes, you know, and, and we're all familiar with that. Like every horror here has a component from everyday life. And, and a lot of it's really, really hard to watch um her stroke is very believable and scary and it has nothing to do with ghosts um but what's weird is they can't seem to get up the ability to call
0: a doctor doesn't but i totally think it does have to do with ghosts it seems almost like she's being like pulled up at that one point like almost in like a an act of possession Mm. like when you know like Whenever you see, like, movies that have, like, exorcisms in them and they show, like, you know, the possessed person who's, like, being literally, like, raised up off of the bed and they're being pulled up, like, chest first. She's doing that. She's, like, I moaning hadn't thought and about that. comforting weird. And I don't, I've seen people have strokes. Like, it does not look like that. Like, it, you know, suddenly not being able to speak and, you know, side of the face. Yeah. Like, droop down and things along those lines (laughs) it doesn't tend to be this fit of writhing around and like you know thrashing because of the pain like that's something entirely different
1: okay well said that's 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 really interesting um well anyway it's truly scary and so once she's just sort of non-communicative the two become the keystone cops as far as calling a doctor that they, they you know he goes out the house is screwing with him and so he only gets a busy signal and then she goes down and says oh i called the doctor and she's lying <laughs> and, and so uh you know so there's they she goes i call the doctor and then he sees this vision that he keeps having which is the uh the hearse driver you know and and he is a scary hearse driver and and that's when she dies um and that's
0: that's the thing that he's having is a vision of this it's not like just a vision it's like a memory like almost like ptsd because it's something traumatic to him it's his own mother's funeral yeah that the you know the scary um driver was at well it's it's all from the perspective
1: of a kid right because what he is disturbed by as a kid is something that (laughs) a smile but it's it's actually something that's kind of normal which is that while the thing is going on he looks over at the, the chauffeurs who are all having a smoke and just chatting with one another because they are chauffeurs and they're not connected you know so it's not cool that the chauffeur smiles at him but it's just a human frailty it's just a thing that happens but it has a deeply scarring effect on him and um that's yeah uh, it's
0: also something that seems totally inappropriate too like that the idea of like laughing or smiling at a funeral especially when you feel that distraught to begin with absolutely
1: yeah yeah it's inappropriate uh but it's it's just this memory he has it's just a human thing, and you're right. It's turned into something that he's never quite gotten over, or that has has remained something that is very scary for him, and that he used to dream about and he stopped dreaming about. But now the house is is who you know yeah go ahead who plays the chauffeur? Uh, I forget this guy's name. Um, the chauffeur is played by a man named Anthony James. Who used to be in a lot of westerns and, and, uh, uh, you know, he, he played a lot of like skeevy bad guys
4: and stuff. Well, it's like this is, this is not much of a role, but he, it's the way he looks that makes it work because he looks almost like a Brian, the Brian Boland version of the Joker. He's just like very skinny and he's got yes. this
3: horrible grin. <clears throat> yeah. 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 I mean, he's like, that's an iconic image. That's yeah. why I've seen it in a few video, kind of, I've seen it kind of mimicked elsewhere. But his, in his demeanor, his gleeful antagonism of uh, Oliver Reed, and by the way, antagonism of a child, Yes, <laughs> which is where Oliver <laughs> Reed first sees him, yeah. is as horrifying as anything else in the movie to be honest and that scene it does seem like you know something straight out of Phantasm when he yeah. uh, you know they're on the bed and the chauffeur rolls a coffin yes. into the room and pushes it towards him and that's when you know we cut to the fact that she's, she's died but oh man just yeah. terrifying
1: if you look for him like google search his image you'll see images of him from lots of different movies that you've seen along the way um i i i saw a movie just recently where he played this disturbed person who kind of accidentally killed somebody and uh he played a lot of uh he played a bad guy in the ATM. he played a lot of like crooked dudes in westerns um he seems in his regular photos like just a a plenty sweet regular skinny dude but uh but boy boy is he able to turn on that weird negative megawatt smile (laughs) um yeah so that's that very scary phantasm it's funny you mentioned phantasm because like we said that that uh movie used this as a set as well uh dan curtis who we should probably talk about next dan curtis filmed he says and as we have no reason to disbelieve him entirely inside this house so there's no sets it's all just shot on location in these practical rooms of of this uh of this house, but I want to talk a little bit about the directing because you know this is a this is a theatrical release, like Trilogy of Terror, that other big Karen Black uh, thing that people think of. That was by Dan Curtis, uh, directed by Dan Curtis. It was a TV movie. She was she did all kinds of roles in there. She was sexy. She was scary. She you know she played numerous roles in that one movie, but um, uh, here she is again. And Dan Curtis is using, you know, this actress that he's used before. But he has this big Hollywood, you know, big multi-star cast. But he does, I think you're right, he films it like it's a TV production. It's a lot of close-ups. Not a lot of establishing shots. Like, a lot of times, you're not really, it it, it takes time to figure out, like, you you don't get the big sweeping use of this house that you might have from, I don't know, a, a different director of of the period like coppola like trying you know i'm trying to imagine what coppola would have done with this house to to like show how big it is and and you know and, and what it's like well we don't
4: all eat, we don't really see that many of the rooms for something that's supposed to be this big
1: sprawling mansion yeah. it feels kind of cramped doesn't it considering yeah. it's enormous it, it, he doesn't even give us a good a good look at this house but this house is huge it's a big house and it feels kind of small, you know, when when he's filming it. I don't know if this is the real complaint. I, I, I just I just know that that uh if well, if he's also, supposed to be yeah,
3: oh sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No,
1: no, no. Uh, I would say, if he's supposed to be communicating, it's a giant house, that doesn't come across. And that might be the case with the other stuff. Well think home. about
4: think about the haunting.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah.
4: The Hill House feels really big.
1: Yes. Yeah, and that's Robert Wise right uh, who is a really big theatrical widescreen director um yeah you know you think about like the especially the stuff in the foyer there's no foyer ever used really in this house well i guess there is but it's it's it, it still feels feels quite cramped it feels like you know and jamie pointed out this is um dan curtis who made his bones first doing Dark Shadows, where everything took place with the camera trained on a, a very small foyer with a little table in front of a staircase, and people just moved around the table and up and down the staircase. And then you had some rooms, right? But you know, uh, the only thing letting you know it was an enormous house was the establishing shot at the beginning. That show- we don't even get that. There's no Collinwood establishing shot uh, here. But, by the way, Jamie, you were pointing out that Dan Curtis was the, the Dark Shadows guy. Um, I had, uh, we were talking about this beforehand until I started watching this movie on prime, I had completely forgotten that it was Dan Curtis. And that came as a real surprise to me because we're doing another Dan Curtis movie in like three weeks. Uh, we're going to talk about, um, his, uh, Dracula, which I think suffers from a lot of the same stuff that we're complaining about here.
0: I thought he does have a lot of like the similar dark shadows, like shots. Yeah. Like that was something I noticed. And then, you know, I don't know I was just kind of like i say i was surprised but then i was like totally not <laughs> right and i thought I'd like I, as soon as when drew said that we were doing this movie i was like oh i bet you jason picked this out, huh because yeah. <laughs> like, you know it just it seems like right up your alley jason yeah and it, it like, turns
1: I, out it is even if i don't know it at the time in other words like i picked it because <laughs> Because I'm like, oh, that is the kind of thing that I would like. And it turns out, oh, yeah, it's also directed by a director that I like. Yes. Um, I think, you know, his strengths,
4: for whatever reason is a director you know he doesn't create a whole lot of atmosphere his movies aren't that stylish but he does a really good job he's a good actor's director like i think about like the stuff that the character stuff that all the actors do particularly betty davis who like he's somehow you know she's older here but her to go without any actor's vanity like by the end of this movie like she looks terrible Like she starts off like a, you know, stylish older woman and she just looks tough. And, you know, someone had to get her to agree to do that. And she's an old time movie actress. I'm sure that was a conversation that had to happen. He got that out of her. So he is good. He is really good with actors. You know, and you look at Colchak, you know, the Night Stalker, you know, that stuff like Darren McGavin creates such a memorable character in that. And again, you know, I'm not. You know, not taking credit away from the actors themselves, admittedly, no. but, you know, you think of some directors are, are actor directors, and I think Dan Curtis is one of those. Well, and,
1: and when he shined, he shined. I mean, he won Emmys out the wazoo for Winds of War and War and Remembrance. I mean, that stuff, all that World War II stuff that he did, which the culture, I don't think, remembers as well as they remember his gothic stuff. But he he did an incredible, ridiculous amount of work on the Winds of War and were in and remembrance and just walked away with all the emmys you know that those couple of years so you know to his credit but um yeah i mean i i do think like there's some some bits here just look great that thing with the coffin coming through the door i don't think you would have ever seen that in like a dark shadows the pool stuff the running in the rain it, like bits of it really feel very cinematic and bits of it like tony said where you're in the soft focus and looking at the silver you you well, feel like you're watching a, mo- a tv movie
3: yeah it's also it's angles a lot of times are things mm. you would see in a soap opera i mean the soft focus stuff i don't think you're hard pressed to find maybe some merchant ivory stuff but huh. it's, it looks a lot like as far as theatrical release somewhere in time might have more soft focus <laughs> than this but it's it's strange because it's not all the time yeah there's certain angles that he chooses oh i'm gonna do this kind of soft focus thing and then again i don't i think not too long after the 70s we left a lot of that behind
1: well there's a haziness in the air right also, also all the time I, I know this has something to do with with cigarette smoke being everywhere as well right but right. but there's because just a haze like all the time in in these these things
3: um, the soft focus though is deliberate and yeah you know in retrospect like i said somewhere in time (laughs) might have probably has more but it's it's strange in this because it also evokes a lot of kind of nighttime soap opera
2: yeah
1: feel to it yeah falcon crest and all that stuff yeah
3: yeah Yeah. and so which you know that's his choice I i don't think it it takes anything away from the movie um it might turn some people off who are just getting into it who were like why why these choices i don't even know what this is but um i i think it's interesting given his tv background that this feature film is kind of shot in that way uh but there's still great action you know, it has nothing to do with that. Especially when they start to try to break away from the house. That all that stuff is harrowing.
1: We should we should talk about the the end. In in fact, um, although to to the point you were just talking about that. I'm sorry. What did you, what did you say, Drew? Drew
3: has become a CD
1: uh, is that me i don't now, know now you sound okay jamie how how are you doing i'm okay okay, All right. let me, let me okay. i think we
4: had a jaw wall on the line <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> it sounded like somebody decided guess... to be a cb yeah. breaker one nine there's ghosts i don't know wow <laughs> we, well uh,
1: this is a closed room talk I back believe, me and so. talk back at me revenant 79
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know um I'm actually a real sucker for this look, because Drew's talked about this before, that that uh, I, I'm a sucker for classy horror. Like, anything where, like, you know, which is what I call any of these things from, like, 1975 to about 1985, that involves usually horror in a big house. If anybody wears a riding habit at any given point, I'm there. If If there's, like... People polishing silver. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm all for these. these so what, what you're saying it.
2: is,
4: you 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 would have been Karen Black. You would have you would have <laughs> become possessed and got that
0: polish <laughs> all
3: the silver. It, it sounds like a Spinal Tap. Like you yeah, mean? I was gonna
0: say, what, decent, do you mean classy? I know. Kind of, you always talk about wanting to have been like an old man since you were like a child, right?
1: Yeah, did Julia tell you that? That's I, I think that's that's possible. You
0: told me that. <laughs> <laughs> well Your love of turtlenecks and uh you know old seventies yeah. movies. That's true. Tell people that without you telling them that you wished you were an old man at the age of like twelve. But Yeah, <laughs> I know. I and it's uh okay everyone yeah. has their own thing it's okay you everybody
1: has their be. own thing yeah yeah yeah. well i've <laughs> what i've since developed is kind of a it's like a it's like i have a card catalog box of different time finishes so and i just sort of filter <laughs> through
2: fetishes.
1: them so it's like uh this week we're going to be all into classy horror of the 70s and this week we're going to be into like you know 1950s melodrama you know i can uh the it, it, those there's a bunch of them that I really enjoy looking at for their texture and so forth. And then some that just doesn't interest me at all, you know, and,
0: and So you're like the Doctor Who of like the fetish world? Is that I I'm I'm a little confused.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm I, I don't know. I <laughs> I, I
0: <laughs> Traveling through space and time to
1: yeah just to just sort of to get
0: off on the different people boundaries. To, yeah
1: well hey tony uh you, you were gonna say something i'm sorry
2: yeah
3: <laughs> well i was just saying it was it's like a spinal tap joke where it sounds like is it classy or classist <laughs> 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 it's so hard to tell do i want classy movies or classist movies it's <laughs> hard to tell what i want <laughs> Because you say one thing, but I'm not sure.
2: I don't know. I don't know the answer. To the that. Silver
3: and writing
2: and... I'm into classy
3: movies. I, I, think,
1: I think you're right that I'm a lot like Karen Black. I'm definitely I'm definitely lusting after a life that is definitely beyond my means, how, right? You know? So yeah.
4: how would you feel about having a Gibson girl hairstyle?
1: When if she's got the updo, girl. When she's got the oh, uh, wow, the oh. girl. Right. That's that's when you know that you've really lost, completely lost her. Is when she starts doing her hair up like that, and absolutely.
0: After she wears the bath choker, which <laughs> I was like, that's a choker.
1: <laughs> no, all <laughs> the stuff that, and she's clearly like to raiding to the wardrobe.
3: Style. It kind of goes back to what you we were talking about earlier, where, you know, you can't Oliver Reed does a lot of stuff and there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of awkward um things with their marriage, um, which kind of gets mirrored again, like you were saying in The Shining. And uh yeah, have they like- not
0: have sex in 13 years is that what they're saying or is it that i don't no, he's know he's saying you don't find
1: sex. me interesting after 13 years
3: that, i that
0: thought they've
1: been so
3: married, too that. but man I, also when all that's happening you know oh man where she's finally like well we can't do this in front of the old lady who's in the old
0: lady might be a freak
3: yeah yeah but <laughs> all of
0: that he's he, into
3: watching he's, he's very He's very concerned about all that, but she starts wearing all this stuff and this choker, and at no point is that the thing. Like, he he senses a change, but there's, like, really super obvious stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: (laughs) And he doesn't draw the line there. It's, like, some other arbitrary line.
1: Well, I mean, the thing with the gas heater and all the windows being locked, he has to break the windows open to to get air through. You know, yeah. And... You know, and I believe that that's the point where she says, she kind of snaps out of it. Wait, right. wait at, at what point does she say, because let's get, we should get to the end anyway. But the end really comes when she has a moment of clarity and says, no, we need to get out of here. And I guess it's the moment after that, when the house tries to drown the kid. And right, exactly. Uh she is not up in the sitting room. So she's, she has... One presumes that she has a little more of her control, so she tries to get to him. The house doesn't let her, and the 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 kid nearly drowns. But she manages to get out and save the kid because Oliver Reed has been has gone sort of catatonic well, after he's been drugged. Oh, he's drugged. So
3: he's he's had because it's you know he tries to leave. Yeah, and the house throws a tree in front of them and then yes. tries to grab him with vines and everything. Like it, it physically. Yeah. Is attacking him at this point. Yep. Um. And he's grabbed the kid, and they're le- they've left the wife because he's like, I'll come back later if if I do it all. Yeah. She's <laughs> too far gone. So wrecks the car, um, and hurts himself. And at that point, the doctor comes by,
1: which oh, yeah. they're able
3: to get a go- a doctor. And evidently, the house has cleared the trees.
1: Yes. Isn't that wild? Which is
3: crazy. Um. you know, that's that's you know the shining topiary kind of style things going on um (laughs) and so he's been drugged even though he's trying and that's that's actually a really pretty fantastic scene because he's doing everything he can and one gets the impression also it's not just the drugs but the house is also having an effect on it yeah
1: it is very good and think about like what's going on here there's no special effects it's just oliver reed acting and karen black jumping in a pool and a kid thrashing around in a pool and and that's all Dan Curtis needs to give us a really scary scene here. And some kind of agitators to make the water you know, agitate. That is the moment when she goes, you know what, you're right, this is crazy. Uh, let us leave this VRBO behind. They go <laughs> like, and, and they, they go get in the car. And then she goes, you know what, I need to tell the old lady I'm leaving. <laughs> let's take a vote here on whether that was a wise choice on her part (laughs) well uh, actually held slightly
3: held in thrall or she's it must be it has
1: to be yeah
3: well she's also i mean she goes full on but she's also just concerned so the, the house or the old lady is left like a seed of, well, maybe I should go check on her. Yeah. And in reality, it you know, most people, if they knew there was an old lady who needed your help, I mean, her family, which is weird because her family doesn't seem to
1: care. Yeah. Hey, we left. You well, know, you could leave always home. leave and call and call like health and human services or something. Right. You know, in theory, you call an ambulance for the old lady. Sure. Um,
3: that's what That's what you, you might do. But I think yeah. in general, you might say, hey, okay, we're leaving. I'm going to tell you.
1: So they're all in the station wagon. And then she's like, I'm going to tell the old lady to go back in and be right back they wait patiently Do and then they're like oh, darn it okay i'm gonna go check on your mom you wait here and so he goes up and and there's your big reveal is that she has been turned into the revenant uh she has she looks like karen black but she's got white hair and she goes we've been waiting for you ben but apparently we've been waiting to kill you because she just pushes <laughs> out a window and so <laughs> push the- throws like (laughs) she has some
3: strength now that
1: she's reborn yeah and so he goes flying and he smashes his face into the windshield where the kid sees his oh awful 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 because blood just pours out of his mouth and uh so the kid goes "Ah!" and he leaves and then um uh he gets uh crushed by a falling chimney and that's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's
3: like i mean that, that was is so horrifying because he's covered in his dad's blood
1: yeah no it's crazy where he
3: runs out of the car yeah and then, this
1: is like over the top this is way out of control compared with anything else we've seen in this movie so far
0: um i also want to know why like does he jump out of the window? Does she throw no, him? No, she, she throws him. Tony's
1: got he's it. Hell out of that guy. Yeah, that guy's not in any position. I mean, when he comes out the window, you really do – it really does give the impression that she just, like, started running him and just threw him through the window. And, uh, uh, you
3: know. That's like – so he's flying, like, bouncer style. Yeah. <laughs> you started a fight. Bouncer you can't style. finish. In the club, and now you're getting thrown through the saloon window or the. the <laughs> window. <laughs> that is and yeah. she's
0: like, don't let the car hit you on the way out.
3: He doesn't fly uh-huh. backwards; like he's pushed. He flies <laughs> yeah. straight forward, right through through the windshield Basically of the car. Through,
0: yeah, through one window and then the windshield of the car. Yeah, it's yeah. a
1: powerful. Uh, uh, it is powerful. And they
0: show like I was kind of surprised because most of the movies not actually that gory. No. Like it's and then that scene is just so like wow <laughs> like oh <"Ugh!"> yeah <laughs> like it's like it, it really is all like messed I mean, it's and...
1: it's harsh we don't see you know and then we we fade with the kid um getting you know the bricks falling uh do you guys want to know how the move how the book ends because it's different from this
0: i would love to know how the book ends
1: so the book uh she's upstairs she's banging on the windows there at the pool uh the kid uh uh drowns and he falls forward and smacks his head and dies and so then she just sticks around
0: The kid drowns. The kid drowns. Yeah.
1: And and the husband hits his head uh, and dies trying to get to the kid, trying to
0: to save
1: him. Yeah,
4: right. I mean, that does make a little bit more sense. Yeah. Thing that
1: goes on around the pool, but it's such a bummer. That uh and it doesn't even have the Oh, and the way of... this the way this ends isn't. It?
4: <laughs> I didn't realize we were watching the feel-good version. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> this one has so much kinetic energy that you don't feel as depressed as the version it's but really I, I can't explain it in the slightest. Uh I I don't th- you know, this is by no means a better ending. But It gives you that more action, like of the trying to escape and then failing. So instead, once she sees the the family is dead, she just goes, uh, oh, well, I guess I'm going up to the sitting room and become part of the house now. And that's what happens. Well,
4: we have an earache from the the brother and sister that, you know, everything has gone according to plan. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, precisely. Uh, And that I I don't remember. I'm pretty sure that that was actually a part of the end. But I I can't remember if they had that final coda uh, there or not. But.
4: um, Oh, when they go through all the different photos and we now see that they're of this family yeah Uh, the the Eddie davis and everybody else who died
1: yeah yep um so that that and that's the end of uh of burnt offerings it blows my mind that this is before watching this you know that some of these cliches are not even cliches yet right there is no amityville horror when this movie comes out you know and there's no shining there's uh there's the changeling and you know other stuff like hell house and stuff but uh this is uh it it kind of stands by itself at that at that point uh let's get final thoughts uh on this um we were doing going jamie tony drew and then i'll go i kind of just gave mine and i apologize jamie uh this has been a lot of fun to discuss. What are your final thoughts about uh, burnt offerings?
0: Well, like I said, I did I did like the movie. Um, it again, so many questions, so many strange <laughs> choices. Um, I don't know, especially now knowing the end of the book, how it's different than the movie. You know, it's like oh, it wasn't dramatic enough to have the kid drown and the dad die from a head wound. Like, let's just. You know, throw the dad out of a window and have him <laughs> you know, traumatize the child, only for that poor kid to be buried under a pile of rubble. <laughs> yeah. You know, just rushed. Uh There are a lot of uh, just different choices. I, I'm surprised they didn't make going. It's um, pretty
1: darn I, dark, man. It is. that yeah, uh, but... it
0: really is. And I do actually, you know Goth girl that I am, I do actually like the darkness. I I like the fact that it kind of goes to uncomfortable places um, with the narrative, like that. I think a lot of other movies wouldn't have necessarily gone. Um, Like I said, all of that talk about, or I say talk, but the visuals and um, (coughs) kind of. what it forces the viewer to kind of not only imagine, but think about, you know, history and what they've seen and heard when it comes to, you know, abuse and trauma and neglect and, you know, all of these different types of uh, horrible things that people do to each other. And it's not necessarily all done on purpose, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's something that it's a very interesting take on how self centered someone could be. And even like the fact that the house is that way, it's just, you know, it's very striking to me and kind of like I'll, I'll definitely remember this movie, especially because I didn't know I had already seen this movie as a child and gotcha. I remembered it and while watching it it wasn't until like most we were more than halfway through i think it was like the end where the father gets you know thrown out the window that was when i was like oh i have seen this yeah (laughs) Uh, but like it, it definitely will stick with me this time i have to say
1: well thank you uh tony uh final thoughts yeah i really like the
3: movie um i think the ending it's interesting the difference in the ending whereas Mm -hmm. the in this the voiceover lends it almost a um it's like scary stories you read like yeah the young adult or like scholastic scary story compilation books in a way is what the way it made me feel something you would get at a book fair and that's not a knock it's just that's Kind of the way it's comforting, but also strange. Um, you know, it's not—it's definitely not the standard now. Um, you know, hyper violence at the end. It just when it decides to go off the rails, it goes off the rails in a way. Again, you mentioned the changeling. Yeah, um, it feels a lot like that in some ways, um, even pacing wise. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. It's, it's uh, it's got some really great performances. Again, I can watch the even the cameo performances and you know, random things like you know, I, I, there's a there's also a part of me that grew up you know, growing up in the in the 80s, you know, born in the 70s, where I see people like Dub Taylor, and it's this comforting. Hey, look, you know, there's my childhood actors. uh, character actors yeah uh, in this so yeah i i like the film a lot it was unexpected um i can definitely recommend it uh wholeheartedly is if you want to watch something you know classic 70s but also uh really cool and kind of niche in a way definitely classic
1: thank you mr drew what are your thoughts
4: i enjoyed this conversation a lot i don't Know if my feelings about the movie itself have changed much. Um, I enjoyed it. I definitely didn't enjoy it as much as the the three of y'all. I I get maybe it was just built up too much because I had heard for years like, oh my gosh, that is one of the scariest haunted house movies Mm -hmm. ever made. Oh, it's so scary. I didn't really feel that way, but I did enjoy watched it. I would recommend people do watch it if they haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. I just. I wish I liked it as much as maybe the, everyone else did.
3: I mean, yeah, mm. definitely if it got built up that way, that that can't be that's gotta be disappointing because it's not that. It is exactly what it is, but it's not I mean it's not definitely not even as scary as the changeling or
1: no, no, not not by any stretch. Um I think it it's actually a lot more disturbing than it is scary. Mm-hmm. It's it's more moody than it's scary, I guess, is the best way to put it. You know, it's right. it's um, this is a movie that I would put up, you know, but then again, a lot of what I stuff, what stuff I watch is not particularly scary, uh, but uh, no, that's a really, really excellent kind of truth. Um, The uh, true. Other, the other thing that I would mention uh, to to Drew's point, it really would have benefited from at least one scene somewhere about two thirds of the way through where they all go to the local library and they look at a bunch of microfish and figure out what's going on with the house just one scene like that would have been good and uh, they didn't because the book other than the crazy ending the book is i mean the movie is extremely slavish to the book so that's just they just don't do that so there we go um but uh gosh all right let's get our our uh, uh endorsements So I don't know what you guys have been up to, but uh, Jamie, we'll start with you. Jamie, Tony, Drew, and I'll go. So Jamie, I don't know. Do you have anything to endorse for us this
0: week? Um, Well, I haven't gotten to watch a lot um, lately, uh, just between work and traveling. Um, Drew and I went obviously went to Anime Fest last week, and that was awesome. Um, But uh, we... So we haven't really been home too much, but um, one of the things I have done this summer was, it's its my usual ritual after every Girls Rock Camp um, season, is I watch the newest season of uh, Orange is the New Black, and this is its final season, and man, it's such a good show, but that is a horror story in its own right um, for yeah so many of the characters so um but it, it still has so much heart and so comedic and i have i don't know so many of the characters you were like uh, you felt you know you're like all right this is what i wanted to see happen and then you're just so bummed out <laughs> and uh so yeah if you need like a good cry and a good laugh and several of each um, check out the new season of Orange is the New Black. Um, it's the last one. So,
1: Tony, anything to endorse this
3: week? There's a Dolomite movie on Amazon Prime now. I've watched that. And that's always its own kind of insanity. Um, There's also Eddie Murphy's going to is playing a Rudy Ray Moore in Mm. a new movie, which I hope is at Fantastic Fest and coming up like that. I'm super excited about. So hopefully I'll be covering Fantastic Fest stuff for, um, for the podcast and letting people know when, uh, there's some cool new movies coming out. Um, in retrospect, I'm going to probably endorse because I've been telling more people about it. A bunch of people this week have been asking me, "Oh, what what horror movie should I watch? I'm still going to go with Terrified, which I still think we need to cover mm. um, from Fantastic Fest last year. That is still one of the most frightening movies I've seen and has stuck with me all year. So if you haven't seen Terrified, if you're looking for that summer, what should I watch? Um, yeah. Also, I did see It Part 2. Did um, you really? Because of, uh, thanks to Warner Brothers, I can't talk much about it, um, but I think it's worth your time. It looks great. When I can talk about it, we should talk about it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, we're, other- we're doing
4: an episode. Yeah. We're doing an episode on it in a few weeks. So, yeah.
3: So I saw it kind of early. Um, there's, yeah, I'll talk about it when we can, but it is worth your time. Um, the casting is really fantastic. That's about all I think I can say. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) (laughs) That's the early nature of of me. But yeah, yeah, that's. Oh, and if you also, uh, I saw uh, Boris. Band from japan that i really really like which you should check out their catalog because it's everywhere from electronic to droney stuff to super heavy they really run the gamut but before them i saw this band called uniform which is like if you like hardcore bands and industrial and just aggressive noisy awesomeness um you check out uniform i didn't know if i was going to be able to make it to see the opening band and i'm really glad i did because they destroyed um uh, That was that was a really cool. And they did a cool cover of uh, Order of Death, the public image limited song that's also in hardware. You know that this is what you want. This is what you get. Yeah. Oh, man. They did a great cover of that. And uh, yeah. So check out Uniform. Check out Boris. um, Check out it when it comes out.
1: Uh, Mr. Drew, what about you? So
4: um, if you do want to get yourself into that Halloween mindset, because Lord knows all of retail is already unleashing all the pumpkin stuff, even though it's still 108 degrees outside. Um, Jamie and I did get to see scary stories to tell in the dark before we went to uh, Dallas for Anime Fest. And it is a lot of fun with, with really, really cool creature effects for the monster fans. So I, I, I do, I do recommend that it's not perfect, but it is a lot of fun. Um, Also, and this is a smidge self-serving, but I, I'm going to say you don't have to nominate me for this, but uh, the Austin Chronicle is now taking nominations through the end of the month for their best of Austin awards. And as everybody who listens to this podcast knows, Uh, i was fortunate enough to not only get nominated but but win a best of austin award last year which has really helped uh my career out in a lot of ways and um you know but aside from that because it would be great if you i'm not gonna lie i'd be really happy if the people who listen to this podcast would go to the austin chronicle website and and nominate me in the comic book creator category but You don't have to do that. If there's somebody else in town that you like better, go ahead and do that. I, you know, this is your chance to put a spotlight on, on Texas talent and, and Austin talent and Austin businesses. And in a way that does actually, you know, it's a feather in your cap. It does help you out. You know, it's, 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 you know, people all, And I used to be one of those people, people always sometimes are kind of dismissive of awards, but it does give you a, a degree of credibility mm-hmm. that, that, that can help out your career a lot. So, you know, think of people who listen to the podcast who do live in Austin. Think about who your favorites are in the area and maybe go nominate them. And then when the voting starts, go vote for them. So that's my soapbox that I will now get off of. I
1: think it's, I think it's fabulous. Uh, okay, my endorsement, uh, I've been trying really hard to to finish uh, this book uh, but you know, when I'm not working on it, I just watch random stuff. And I'm not going to waste you guys' time with uh, my rediscovery of the amazing thing that is my three sons. So I'm <laughs> going to share with you. It's it's true. Yes, true. The fact that you could pull that that <laughs> that theme <laughs> just pluck it right out of the air. That's uh, that's really <laughs> remarkable. Um,
4: I, I watched a lot of my three sons when I was a kid on on Nick at Night. So I well, I've, been, I I've been
1: watching these late nineteen sixties episodes, and I'm in love with the uh, with uh, Katie, the girl that marries Robbie. She's she's just a ball of sunshine so but but my endorsement is not my three sons. My endorsement is not random 19 episodes from 1968 of my three sons. No, my endorsement is the 1949 movie beyond the forest, which is a a crazy noir starring Betty Davis. So it goes well with the movie that we just watched this is the the last film that Betty Davis did when she was on the studio contract she was on at the time. She was forty years old. And she plays this vivacious woman who is sick and tired of uh the small town she lives in with its stupid small town ways, and her stupid, hardworking small town doctor husband, played by Joseph, Joseph Cotton, is just this ever-suffering, you know, giving, uh, generous doctor who just can't believe that he's married this horrible person. And she is delightful. She is. She's just horrible. This is the movie where she walks into the house that, that he's bought for her and he, she goes, what a dump. And it's like, it's, I mean, drag Queens would have no Betty Davis impression if not for the movie beyond the forest. So hmm. uh, run, don't walk to see beyond the forest and see just how bad um, a Betty Davis character could get. I mean, she's very good, but she's very good at playing bad. And it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. So
0: I can't believe none of that. Not- a single one of us has had like a betty davis eyes mention like <laughs> i was looking for it the whole time every time we said betty davis and it was like especially when she we were talking about how terrible she looked during her stroke scene you know it's like oh was one eye like partially closing because you know <laughs> she's got betty davis
2: eyes
1: and she and she really really does yeah. but but here she's you know it's an older uh uh you know different betty davis but um man in um beyond the forest i mean uh it's it's the one that that's that people think of when they think of betty davis and and uh she's just just fantastic in that so uh so that's a good one to check out after you've checked out burnt offerings and it's free on prime or included with prime, or however you say that so uh, that's, my, that's my recommendation of the week. Oh, oh, and I got one more thing. There's a podcast on Apocalypse. It's the 40th anniversary of Apocalypse Now. And I am on the Cineversary podcast this week discussing the importance of Apocalypse Now. So check that out. And that brings us to the end of our discussion of burnt offerings. Jamie, I'm so thankful that you would, you would join us for, for the week. It is so cool to hear your, your thoughts. And I think this was a really great one to discuss. Uh, and everybody... Oh, of course. Um everyone, thanks. And uh uh for the listener, come to the Facebook page, engage us on this. Let us know if this is as good or as bad as 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 we thought it was. And and um uh, we're doing a lot of, of one-offs this summer, so tell your friends, and uh we really appreciate it. Uh thanks everybody, have a lovely evening, and I will talk to y'all soon. Bye. Good night. night. Bye.